Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. We've been in a series called Here Now. We've been talking about how God doesn't just want us to remember that he has done great things, but to know he wants to continue to do great things in us and through us. Enjoy the message. What a great morning it has been so far. So good to see you guys today. Oh, man, I'm so excited. So excited to be here today. It's, it's so great to, to be a part of, of this great place with all these great people, with such a great history. And I'm so excited to see what God does here now. You see, I, I, I want to start off our time together. Our first series that we're going to walk through together is simply called Here Now. Because I know that there have been great things that have happened in this place. And there will be moments and opportunities and times where, where I'm going to ask you to share those stories of, of great things that God has done. And we want to look back at those huge things, those big moments and then take that faith and that encouragement and that knowledge that God is great and that faith does work and that we can take out, we can take steps and we can take big risks because God is faithful. We'll look back so that we can look forward to what God is doing here now so we can experience not just what he did, but what he wants to do right here and right now. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to take a look at how we can respond. We're going to take a look and, and see how did people respond when God showed up here now, when he gave them instructions, when he asked them to follow, what did they do? How did they respond so that we can learn what it looks like to be in the here and now? And every now and then we'll take a look at what it looked like when Jesus showed up and how he changed everything for everyone. But I am so excited as we begin to take these next steps because I believe this with all of my heart that the best is still to come. See, some of you, some of you get it, but no, no, no. I, I believe this, that the best is still to come. And some of you are still a little bit hesitant because you're thinking through your own life and you're like, there's no possible way. But I want you to hear it this morning and let it wash over you that the best is still to come this morning. And I believe this as we walk forward, as we walk forward together, the words that God spoke in the book of Isaiah will carry us through this first series. And it says this in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. No, no, no. See, I am doing a new thing. No, no, no. He, see, he said, look, I am doing a new thing, and it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And, man, from this portion of Scripture, I hope that you see the character of God. I hope you can see who he is because he doesn't just want to keep repeating the things that he's done for you in the past. He's telling Israel, look, I brought you out of Egypt. I moved the Red Sea. I did these great things. But don't look backwards to see what I'm going to do. All of that was great. I want you to look right here to the here and now. And God wants to do something brand new in each and every one of us. And what I love about this scripture and how it's worded and what God says is he doesn't just want to do something around you. It says he wants to do something new 
in you. It's going to start right in here, and God wants to bring it to life so that it springs up and out and affects those around you. I'm so excited to see what happens, and I love that God tells us that he will make a way in the wasteland. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you feel like you have nowhere to turn, that your life just doesn't seem to be giving you what you hoped it would, but know that this morning God is saying there's something new, that I can bring water where you feel like there's no water. I can spring things up in the wilderness. Today you might feel dry and empty when you came in, but you don't have to leave that way. It doesn't have to continue to be that way because God wants to do something new here and now. And man, this gives me hope. As I read this scripture, it gives me hope, hope for my own life, hope for my own heart and the times when I feel lonely, when I feel dead on the inside, I can look to this and be encouraged. When I pray for, for my, my loved ones that don't know Jesus and it feels hopeless, God is saying today I can bring hope to where you have none. And so I want to bring you encouragement this morning because God can do something miraculous. He can do something new. He can bring life where right now you're not experiencing it and you can't see where it would come from. But in order for us to experience all that, in order for us to experience what God wants to do in the here and now, he has to have our attention. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you. I want to bring you a message titled, May I Have Your Attention. Now, as you get to know me, um, message titles will, will kind of vary from, from week to week. So feel free to make this title whatever you would like. Some of you are a little bit more proper than me, and so you would look at that and you would say, well, may I have your attention, please, with a question mark at the end of it. That's not really how I, how I got it from God as I, I looked. This was more just a statement like, may I have your attention. Now, for some of you, that's not how God talks to you. God might just say, hey, look, and that's how he's going to get your attention. <laughs> my brother right there, he might be like, just look here. That's normally how he gets my attention. He may be simply saying, hey, pay attention right here in this moment. So whatever you need to do to write down for your notes today, feel free to entitle it whatever you would like. Add your own attitude to it however you feel. Let's pray together this morning. God, I pray that as we spend these next moments around and in your word, I pray that, that our focus, our attention would be on you, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open, our spirits would be open to what you would have to say, what you would be speaking to us. I pray that, that we would leave here differently because this morning we made it a point to turn our attention and our focus to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Man, well, I have two kids. Um, I have an 11-year-old daughter who today looks like she's about 15 because of how, how her outfit looks and her hair looks. I don't think I like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. I would like her to be 11. Actually, I tried, I, I tried to get her to be 9 again when she turned 10. And this year she told me when she turned 11 that she wasn't going to do that again. So I kind of I missed out on that part. But um, I have an 11-year-old daughter. I have a 7-year-old son. Um, he's getting ready to turn 8 next month. And, man, I love those kids. But one of the things about them is they get so distracted with technology that they have all at their fingertips. There will be moments where I'm looking for them, trying to find them, and when I discover where they're at, they have a phone, a tablet, um, a TV, something is playing music, they're playing a games, or they're watching YouTube until you, I, I don't, like the gazillionaires that invented YouTube, like they're making money from my kids because they are always 
on YouTube. Their attention is just there. And so sometimes when I try to get their attention, I have to make loud noises. I snap my fingers a lot of times to get their attention. I can snap really loud. Some of you are immediately jealous because you cannot snap loud like that. You're like, wait, I, that's all I got. Or some of you snap with this finger. That's the wrong finger. You don't snap with that finger. So I'll have training classes later if you would like. Um, but I'll snap my fingers. Sometimes I'll clap my hands or I'll just yell at them to get their attention. And, and oftentimes um, I, I try to do that because their, their lack of attention makes them miss out on things. And as their, as their father, I don't want them to miss out. And so there have been times where they have been locked in here and I'll be trying to get their attention because we passed something really cool. When we've traveled, we've seen really cool buildings. We've seen famous people. We've seen really cool cars. My son Jordan likes to see really cool cars for a while. Like they thought that the Tesla cars were it. Like if they saw a Tesla, that was like seeing a Lamborghini to them. They were just like, oh my God, there's a Tesla. And they would get that excited every time they saw it. And so we would point out like, hey, there's that car. Oh, look, there's this person. Oh man, let's try this. But they would miss it. And I'm trying to get them. They would miss incredible sunsets. They would miss stuff that we see. They miss funny stuff. I like to see funny stuff. If someone trips and falls, I ask if they're okay after I giggle a little bit on the inside. I'm just going to tell you that now. Now, if that happens today, I'm not going to do that because I told you I will ask before I giggle. But just simple things like that. If there's something that's happening that's funny, I want to show them that. I, want them, I don't want them to miss out. But sometimes their lack of attention makes them miss out on, on things that are going on. And then other times, man, they're, because they, they can't pay attention, they, they miss out on the things that are potentially going to harm them. And so we have this rule now that when we stop to go somewhere, if we're in the car, um, they have to stop their phones right then. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but they have no idea when they're getting out of the car that there are things in front of them. And they will walk into cars. They will walk into walls. And oftentimes it's, it's to the detriment of my phone. My phone is the one that will get dropped. And I don't want my phone to get broken, nor do I want them to get hurt. And so if they were here today and they were walking around on the stage, if they were walking with their phone in there, hand, they wouldn't be able to pay attention that the edge was right here until one of them fell off and then they would pay attention and know that something was going on. So oftentimes their lack of attention makes them miss out on things and then it puts them in danger of stuff that's around them. So I try to get their attention at times so that they can experience things that later they're going to be glad they experience and so that I can keep them from things that would hurt them or put them in danger. But you know what? It's, it's not just them. See, they have attention problems, but if, if I can be honest, they probably got that from me. Um, I mean, you can ask my wife. Just ask her how many times she catches me in conversations with, what did I just say? Oh, man. The worst part about it, most times when we're having conversations, I initiate the conversation. Hey, babe, how, how'd your appointment go today? Hey, babe, how, how's... How, how was your day today? What'd you do? On, on, on. How, how'd you go from here to here? And she'll begin to talk. And then suddenly, the need to check something. I don't know what. Could be something that I haven't seen in three years. But in that moment, I don't know what it is. My attention gets pulled away from the very person that I asked for the conversation. I asked for communication. I wanted to give her my attention. But I became distracted. My phone distracts me. Have you ever saw a movie for like the 10,000th time, but you were watching it like it was the very first time that you've ever seen it? That, that happens to me. And so we'll be talking sometimes in the living room and I'm doing this. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, 
It's like, is the movie good? I'm like, yeah, 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 I want to see what happens. You've seen this before, and I'm missing out on the conversation because I'm not paying attention. And, and I don't know, fellas, if, if you're like that, if you're married and, and you have this going on right now, don't look at your wives because some of them are eyeballing you and you don't want to make eye contact right now. Um, but I think that it happens to all of us if we would be willing to admit it. I mean, how, when's the last time that you missed an exit because you weren't paying attention to the directions from your phone? Because you were, you, you were on the same route that you normally take to work but you needed to take a different exit, but your brain automatically put it in neutral and you ended up at work instead of where you actually needed to be. Or you miss a turn. Or, or what about the times that you've missed moments with your families because of that work phone call or that work email that just had to go out right then? You missed that first goal that they scored, that first basket that they made, the first run, the first time they ran onto the soccer field. You missed the introduction of their name. Sometimes our attention is elsewhere, and as it, as it happens like this, if we're all honest, it happens this way too. It, it bleeds into our relationship with God. We struggle to pray for longer than a minute and 30 seconds because a notification hit our phone or, or we need to check this. Maybe somebody said something on, on, on Twitter, I need to check Facebook right now, or I just ran out of everything to pray struggling in this moment. We struggle to serve. We struggle to be committed, all because our attention is being pulled in different directions. There are so many things right now pulling at you and me, asking for your attention, asking for you to pay attention here. Look this way. Lock in here. Forget about everything else. And what I'm learning is this, that my direction is determined by what has my attention. I'll say that again because we need to pay attention to what has our attention because oftentimes our direction is determined by what has our attention. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's where we're going to begin our series together. And let me set the scene for you as we get to 1 Samuel 16. The book, First and Second Samuel, is written by Samuel. He is the last judge that Israel had. Before they had kings, they had judges for each time. God would raise someone up, and they would lead the people of Israel. And Samuel was the last judge. But he wasn't just the judge. He was the prophet. He was the man of God, the voice of God. He was it. So the people said, we would like a king. And God said, I'll be your king. You don't need a king. No, 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 no. We want to be like everybody else. We want a king. And so God finally said, well, if you want a king, fine. So Samuel anointed Saul as the first king. And man, Saul looked good. When Samuel saw him, the Bible says that he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was tall. He stuck out. He was the obvious choice. And everything started out great. He was anointed. The Spirit of God came on him. He did great things. He did God things. And then he did the same thing that you and I do a lot. He began to do things his own way. He began to question whether or not God was really telling him or whether he really needed to do exactly what God would say. He began to kind of do his own thing, and we can just call it what it is. He began to simply disobey God. God would tell him to go right, and he would say, well, maybe I'll go a little bit right, but then I'm just going to go left. I'll take care of things all on my own. And because he chose to do things that God didn't tell him to do, God then chose to remove him as king of Israel, and he used Samuel to deliver that news. 
And Samuel has this huge argument with Saul, and, and he tells him that God is removing him as king, and he goes to walk away, and Saul grabs his robe, and it tears, and Samuel spins around, and he says, just like my robe tore, God is going to tear the kingdom from your hands. And he begins to walk away, and, and at the end of this, I can't imagine, as Samuel delivers these words that God is removing him as king, I can't imagine how devastating this moment is for Samuel. I can't imagine having listened to the voice of God and found the first king and anointed him and poured your life into him and then given him advice and wisdom and words from God, how after all of that happens, this guy fails, he makes wrong choices, he does the wrong thing, and God says, nope, that's not him, and you get to deliver the news. I can't imagine the devastation that Samuel was feeling because at the end of chapter 15, it says that Samuel leaves where he is, he mourns for Saul, and he simply goes home. And I bet that in this room, I bet that in this room, we've all probably felt just like that. That we've had days, we'd have weeks, we've had years where all we wanted to do was go home and turn the lights out and cry. That it's been tough. Life wasn't working out the way that we hoped. Marriages that we thought were supposed to last forever ended way before we ever thought that there was a problem. Some of us have, have spent years at a job over and over again doing the greatest work that we could and then we get let go and suddenly we don't know who we are because our identity was wrapped up in what we did. Sometimes we've experienced those three-minute arguments that last into years of silence with family members. There have been disappointments. The people that you love have let you down. The church has let you down. Pastors have let you down. It all leads to disappointment. It all leads to this moment just like Samuel had where we feel like the best is behind us, that there's nothing more that God can do. And so we get stuck. We get stuck in the past. We get stuck in a rut. But I want to tell you this morning that that's not how it has to be that that's not at all how it has to be, that, that your history doesn't determine your destiny. And God wants to remind you of that today because some of you are so stuck on looking at your history that you feel like there's no destiny for you. And that's not at all what God wants you to hear this morning because he's saying, may I just have your attention? I want to do something new. Let me show you how it worked for Samuel. In chapter 16, verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. Fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Here's what I love about how this story begins to turn. When God begins to talk to Samuel, he doesn't chastise him for being sad. He doesn't yell at him for being in mourning. He doesn't say the feelings that you feel right now, they're not valid. You need to push them to the side. You know what, right now you're sulking, you're mourning, and you're wrong for that. He doesn't do any of that. So this morning, man, if, if you're struggling with your emotions and your feelings of how life has been, God's not mad at you. He's not angry with you because your, your heart has been hurt or it's been broken or you've been struggling with feeling like things can be different. It's none of that. God simply begins to speak to Samuel and say, hey, your story's not done. Your story's not done. 
this morning, he's, he's saying the very same thing to us. This isn't how it ends for you. This isn't how it ends for you. You might think that this ends the book, but this is simply going to be the beginning of a brand new chapter. We're going to turn the page. We're going to walk forward into something new. God is telling Samuel right there, there is hope. And this morning, if you hear nothing else that I say, there's hope. There's hope. And it's so incredible to me that, that even with our faults, our failures, the, the disappointments, the, the times we simply drop the ball, but God still finds ways to advance his kingdom. And oftentimes he takes the stuff that we mess up and he says, you know what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that to move my kingdom forward just to show how big he is, just to show what he can't do. You see, my mess ups, my mistakes, my failures, they don't stop God from moving. They don't stop God from being God. Man, in fact, I love that he takes the opportunity to turn them into something else. And so when I think that I'm done, you might think that you're done and you might think that God is done, but that's not how it works at all. Your failures aren't fatal with God. He's not stopping because you're weak. Matter of fact, when you're weak, that's when he says, I'm going to give you strength. And when your sin piles up here, he says, you know what? I got mercy and I got grace to cover over that. So don't think that you're done this morning. There is hope. God has something for each and every one of us. He wants to get your attention this morning to simply tell you this, that what could have been is not greater than what can be. I want you to hear that again, that what could have been is not greater than what can be. Because not only is there hope, but there is more this morning. If we look back at the text after he tells Samuel, hey, come on, stop mourning. Let's get ready to go. He says this. He says, go get your horn, your flask, and fill it with oil. Now, in, in the Old Testament, as we look at the times that the oil is being used and, and people are being anointed, this represents the favor of God, the strength of God, and the power of God. And here's the thing that should click with all of us, that if God is telling Samuel to get your tools, guess what? He's got a job for him to do. And so when God begins to tell you to gather your things together, it's not because the story's over. It's not because it's time to pack it all in. It's because he's got more for you to do. And I wonder if Samuel does what we do. Because when God begins to tell me to gather my stuff, you know what I do? I try to talk him out of it. Well, God, you know I messed up the last time. I wonder if Samuel thought that. I wonder if he said that to God and we just don't see it. I wonder if he had a conversation. I have lots of conversations with God in my mind. It's okay. And I wonder if Samuel thought that the last failure was way too much. That he can't come back from that. I can't come back from Saul. You can't ask me to grab oil and go find another king. You don't know what you're asking. I wonder maybe if Samuel thought that his time had passed, that he was simply too old. He couldn't do anything anymore. And what's crazy is we tend to come up with reasons that God can't or won't use us. But guess what? God's opinion of us is the only opinion that he ever needs and that he ever uses. So when he gives you something to do, he already knows that you can't. But together with him, you can. So not only is there hope, but there is more. Now, now is not the time to think that you're done. Now is not the time to think that it's over. Now is the time to grab your flask once 
once again and fill it with oil and let's go to work because there's one more person that needs to hear your story. There's one more person that needs to come to Christ. There's one more person that needs you to pray for them. There's one more conversation that needs to be happening at work. There's one more. There's one more. There's one more. So don't stop today. Don't give up today. Don't give in. There is hope for tomorrow. And God is telling you this morning, there is more. And not only is there more, but there is a plan. See, some of you begin to think like, well, God, I, I would move if you give me A through Z. And then I will know how to make my steps in the correct order. I'll know what to do first, second, third, fourth, fifth. You know what that is? That's certainty. You know what that's the opposite of? You know what that's the opposite of? That's the opposite of faith. But can I tell you this morning, there is a plan. And God didn't have to unveil it to Samuel. In that moment, he just simply let him know, hey, I found a king. I need you to go to Bethlehem. That's where he is. Hey, there's his family. That's enough of the plan that you need to know right now. Right now, your job is to gather your tools and let's get ready to go. So can I tell you this morning that there's a plan? You see, in the moment, Samuel, he couldn't see it. He didn't know what was going on. And you know why? Because his attention was on the past. All the while, God was working on his future. You see, Samuel was so busy mourning the last king that he didn't see that God was making the new king. So can I tell you this morning that whatever failure you've had, whatever issue you walked in here with, whatever your past story has been, your failures, your disappointment, whatever has worn you out and made you worry and stressed you out, can I tell you that God has already worked it out? Can I tell you that this morning with confidence so that you can take steps of faith and move forward even if you didn't get the plan completely? Man, it's at the moments where we feel like we're at, at our lowest points and at our worst places that God does his best work in us and through us. So when it feels like there's no hope, that's when God shows up to remind us that there is hope, there is more, and there's a plan and I don't have to understand the plan. I don't even have to see the plan. But what I can do is I can know simply this, no matter what has happened, God has, he is, and he always will. Take all of those things and begin to work them together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm not just telling you that because that's a pastor thing to say. I'm telling you that because I've been broken and I've been depressed and I thought there wasn't a tomorrow and I didn't know what I would do. And God has taken all of that and he's used it to craft me into someone that I never thought I could be. And he's allowing me to do something that I love with my life. And now I can speak into things that I couldn't before. And he used the worst parts of my day to bring out the best in who who he is and who I am. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. There's a plan. There is a plan. And it's not dependent on what you can do. It's what you allow God to do in you and through you. Let him do the heavy lifting. You just need to be ready. God has something great. God has something great for you and for me individually, for us as his church. There's a new season waiting. There's a new season waiting. All we have to begin to do is walk through it. We have to take steps forward. And you know that's scary because where I'm at right now is where I'm most comfortable. And I got my seat and I got my spot. And, but God, if you're asking me to move, I got to have the faith to be uncomfortable so we can all get comfortable with being uncomfortable. If we want to see God move in a way that we've never seen him before, we got to go places that God has never taken us before, but he's taking us now. We got to do things that we've never done before. And that's okay because if God is leading us, guess who's already there? God is already there because there is a plan. 
Do this for me real quick. Just look up and down your row real quick. Just look side to side. No matter who is there, no matter who is there, for a moment, just imagine that the people that you love the most, that are furthest from Christ, that they're sitting next to you. And they're not just sitting, visiting, they're sitting because they've committed their lives to Christ. That right now, they're lost, but, but when you look down the road right now, through the perspective of God, through the eyes of hope, that's not how they are. They've been found. I believe that that's what God can do. I believe that's the hope that he brings, that everything can change. And we need to believe that. We need to have hope. We need to grab our oil. We need to believe that there is more for us to do, that there is a plan. Would you stand with me this morning? Remember, this, this isn't the end. We have a way more still to do together today. But if you just close your eyes, I just want, want you to spend some time with God and allow his voice to speak to you. This morning, I believe this, that there are some of us here that are like, man, all this hope stuff is good for Christian people. All this hope stuff is good for people that already know God, but that's not me. That you don't know my story, Pastor. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know the, the baggage that I'm carrying in here. You're right, I don't. I don't know that, but I can tell you this, that every single one of us in this room have messed up. We've went our own way. We've sinned and we've done it more than we care to admit. And each of us would be embarrassed. I would be embarrassed to tell you all of the things in my life that I've done wrong. And if I shared that, you would say, oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm in the same ballpark. But no matter what your story is, no matter how deep it goes, no matter how bad you feel like it is, the great part of the gospel message is no matter what your story, no matter the mistakes that you've made, no matter the sin that you've brought in here, it all pales in comparison to the love and the grace shown by God. It all pales in, in what he chose to do for you. He sent his very best. He sent his son to this earth for you. He sent him to live a life that you couldn't, to pay a price that you couldn't. He gave his son to die and to be rose again for us so that we could have a brand new life. And Jesus, because of his love for you and for me, he went to hell and back for us, all to let us know that he has a plan for us, that he sees you, that he knows you, that he loves you. All you need to do is make a step towards him this morning. If you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I need... I need Jesus. I need a relationship with him today. I need my story to be different. I need a, a fresh start. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. We want to pray with you today. I believe that God has this moment for some of you today. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're going to pray here in a few moments. Is there anybody else? Today's your day. You need Jesus. Let's pray together. If, if you pray this prayer with us, I promise you this. Jesus will come into your heart. He will change all of who you are. And you get a fresh start and a new life. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. I give you everything today. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for giving me new life. From today forward, I give you everything I am, all of my hopes, 
all of my dreams I place in your hands. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.